All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Note to Self listeners, it's Manoush here. We've got a little bonus episode for you this week. Okay, but first a riddle. Who is probably the only person in the world who can talk simultaneously about global equality her breastfeeding schedule, and how her kid's grandpa used to be president. It's Chelsea Clinton. I got to chat with her recently at a gathering of nonprofits and philanthropists at the Clinton Global Initiative here in New York. And we were both there to talk about global connectivity and how tech can, if we use it right, level the economic playing field. The only difference between us is that my mom is not running for president. That's why I was interviewing her. In any case, Chelsea has been collecting and analyzing data and stories about women, girls, and tech in developing countries to understand how learning to code and getting digital access can not only give them a chance to work, but to choose the life that they want to live. So she's doing all this in addition to having two babies and being on the campaign trail. Here's our conversation. You've been doing some really fascinating research into gender and tech and um, really scaling opportunity. Can you tell me some of the data that you've dug up? Sure. So uh, in partnership with the Gates Foundation at the Clinton Foundation, uh, we launched something called No Ceilings, a full participation project. And we gathered a just under a million unique data points across kind of every question we could think of that would highlight where uh, girls and women really have made progress in terms of our inclusion and our participation and where we haven't made progress in the last couple of decades. And not surprisingly, an area that we all pay a lot of attention to that is uh, important to all of our lives increasingly around the world uh, is technology. And so um, we looked at kind of the question of women and technology in uh, along lots of different dimensions. So kind of Around the world, um, do women have access to the same uh, technologies as men? And, and the answer is no, and that's actually one of the areas where we've lost progress over my lifetime. So that's something um, I became particularly uh, invigorated around uh, because I found it so infuriating yeah. uh, that we'd really lost ground in terms of little girls who are aspiring to be engineers or astronauts or architects and then kind of pursuing those careers uh, in college and graduate school. So what do you think needs to be done? What, where is the key moment where you can sort of change the trajectory of that? So uh, we know that in kindergarten and first grade, girls have pretty similar aspirations to boys. They want to grow up and be astronauts. They want to grow up and be leaders, even if they may not know what that means. They, right. they want to grow up and kind of create the computer games that they're participating in or watching their kind of older siblings play with. But around middle school, there starts to be a real deterioration in that parity. Mm -hmm. So around middle school, um, girls are less interested in kind of those careers. 
technologically speaking or kind of just leadership broadly. Um, they're less engaged in math and the sciences. Uh, and then so not surprisingly, they start performing less well. And we think kind of that downward trajectory has a few root causes. One Girls start to be much more um, sensitive, boys too, to the images that they're seeing every day. It's no sure. longer just kind of what they're experiencing in their families, and it's no longer just about their own imaginations. It's really social awareness, so what they're hearing from the media, kind of what they're seeing on television – and they don't see a lot of people that look like them who are succeeding in these science kind of in math and uh, originated here, career, but, but really around the world. Mm-hmm. And in middle school, teachers start calling on girls less in math and science classes. So even if girls raise their hands at the same rates as boys, both female and male teachers mm-hmm. are calling on girls less. So that sends a not so subtle signal that their answers or their opinions or their questions, mm-hmm. and maybe even questions are what are most important in that list, are less valued. And so there's a real kind of lack of validation. So there's lots that we have to do from teacher training and support to getting our Hollywood in this country or Bollywood in India or Nollywood in Nigeria to start kind of making movies that highlight like really awesome, successful female scientists and engineers. Um, so kids don't have that imagination gap so that they can see themselves so that they then grow up to be that. I know female leadership obviously is a big issue for you. And I have to say that most of my listeners are young women between the ages of 25 and 34. And they're looking at you juggling your mom's campaign. You're juggling the Clinton Global Initiative. You just had a baby. I mean, several of them asked me, is she just pumping like a crazy woman right now? How are you doing it all and managing to take yourself out of what is a very intense time after having a kid and talk about issues this broad? Um, so my son Aiden uh, just turned three months on Sunday. Thank you. And our daughter Charlotte is turning two in a few days. And it is a lot. Um, yet I look at my children and it makes me only more passionate about the work that I've been lucky to do through the Clinton Foundation and candidly also about my mom's campaign. Uh, because for me, m- my day uh, begins and ends literally and also metaphorically with my children. Um, and I am emphatically committed to breastfeeding and it's something I talk about uh, publicly. Clearly I'm talking to you about it now. And I'm really grateful to have some control over my life so that I do get to feed Aiden and I do get to pump, um, at least within a window that I need to. Sometimes I'm really pressing up against that deadline, as I'm sure kind of many mothers can empathize with. (laughs) And that then too just kind of compels me to work as hard as I can kind of in this campaign, but also just more broadly to talk about the policies that we need in this country and really around the world to support each of us to make what we think are the right choices for ourselves and our families when it comes to uh, becoming a parent or not, and then how we, we choose to be a parent. And Thankfully, this is not just a conversation that's happening here in the United States. And increasingly, it's um, an area where the developing world is also determined to be leaders uh, and sometimes really kind of be leaders even compared to us here in the United States, although that we have a low bar here, to create spaces for women to pump, to breastfeed their children kind of while working, to kind of raise awareness about the expectations of employers to enable women to be kind of 
working moms and kind of to be whatever working moms means to them and to create spaces for um, women and men because uh, it's important that this focus yeah. on men too to like bring their kids to work if that's the right answer. Uh, so there's lots of innovation thankfully happening around this question across the world and I think we in the United States will have a lot to learn from not only the countries that are often talked about kind of in Scandinavia and elsewhere um, but increasingly in the developing world too. Really? Like where? Where are you thinking of? So the World Bank is making a, a big series of investments in, in partnership uh, with a consortium of countries across um, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, Asia, and Latin America to support governments uh, to also be leaders in this area. So to support governments that want to create childcare facilities in their government buildings, for example, uh, which I think is pretty fantastic. And I would hope we here in the United States would encourage our state and local governments to similarly be leaders in supporting parents, mothers, and fathers through providing childcare on site. Yeah, I mean, that brings up the question of men's role, right? We just did a series with Anne-Marie Slaughter and her husband and this idea of the lead parent and that lead parent, not the the working mother, but the lead parent, somebody who takes the role of leading the family while the other spouse or parent is going after the income. So, for you, do you find that your husband is taking the lead parent role? Is your dad like lead grandparent? Like, is there a way that we can start to show people that men can take other sort of roles in their families as the women lead? Well, I'm so grateful kind of to be married to my husband and that he's the father of our children. And we both aspire to be lead parents. And yet we recognize that sometimes one of us will be able to be there and sometimes the other one of us will be able to be there and sometimes kind of through commitments like breastfeeding, you know, since Mark can't do that, kind of finding other ways for him to be meaningfully engaged with our son, Aiden. You know, it, it just, I, I think what we hope is that if we're asking ourselves these questions about how to best uh, ensure that our children feel loved and supported and know they're our number one priority, if we're asking ourselves that question kind of, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, hopefully we're going to get to the right answer most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that kind of it is a we getting to the right answer and that sometimes it'll be one of us and sometimes it'll be the other one of us. And we're also really grateful to have the support of our families. I mean, my parents are really involved. My mother-in-law is really involved. My husband has, uh, comes from a family of 11 and wow. we're really lucky that my sister-in-law and her family live, live nearby. So, we're just really grateful to be able to surround our children kind of with this ecosystem of love and support. But we both certainly aspire to be the lead parent. <laughs> Good luck to that, right? Yeah, thank you. Chelsea, thank you so much. Manish, thank you so much for taking the time. 